Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. All right, Joel. I hit it. I did it. You did it. You pressed the button. It's all happening. <laughs> it is all happening. Oh, my God. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. My name is Joel. And I'm Steve. And uh, at long last, we have a guest today. So you don't have to just listen to Steve and I ramble on through a weeds of our thoughts. Um, What's wrong with that? I well, I mean, I, it's I kind don't, of the know, basis of our podcast, Joel. Now you're now you're criticizing. It's it's fun self-deprecation. I've actually heard. I mean, here's the thing. Like I, I've I've been having to take in some uh, I, I had a director uh, write some peer review stuff for my portfolio. And he uh, he he was you know, he said some really honest things and was really praiseworthy. And it's like I have a really hard time taking that in. And oh. other I've heard people say you guys talk good <laughs> you guys talk really good like, to each like other da- so david sedaris what's he say right. like i me use... talk pretty me talk pretty one day there you go yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i yes uh but we do have a guest and we're very excited to introduce that guest but i want to i want to well, go ahead well i was gonna say it'll be nice to have somebody on that has actually kind of knows what they're talking about because i have a couple like i was listening to our last episode and I'm like, Jesus, we need fact correctors. We need a fact checker. We need an eight second delay because I said two things. I mean, I spot a lot of opinions. Yeah, those yeah, are just yeah. my opinions. But I asserted two facts that were incorrect. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're small little details. But like you were talking about the the gameplays. What was that called? Mana? Mana games? That you oh, mana games. Yeah, yeah, mana yeah. Games, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you said, I think that's in the apothecary building. I said, correct. Well, it's not correct. It's in the creamery building. Oh, damn it. Right. I was and right. So yeah. there's that. Well, but I'm like, yep, that's it. Apothecary. No, no, no. That's where 10,000 villages is, which uh, I should know. Yeah. And then also we were talking about um, Josh Hoyer and Soul Colossal, who, again, mm-hmm. amazing. I'm like, I think they're going on a European tour. Now I had them mixed up with Orion Walsh, who's on a European tour. Oh, Josh Hoyer right and Soul Colossal are getting ready to go out on a pretty large scale tour, but it's all in the States. Speaking of musicians that we've mentioned, a ferocious jungle cat reached out to us. So we'll, oh. we're going to we're going to try to co- cook something up there. Far out. Yeah. So if you want to be our um, if we want to crowdsource our fact checkers and and uh, if you want to correct <laughs> you anything just, we say, just email us at ttvpodcast yeah. at gmail.com and let light me up or find us on Instagram at trying to be better podcast and slide into our DMs as the kids oh boy. Say. Oh, boy. Um. I want to bring up one thing, and I am spreading the gospel here. Okay. Um, everybody that I've talked to, I've had a really interesting... I mean, this may be another conversation, but uh, you sent out to our text thread the Duncan Trussell Family Hour podcast with Blake Lemoyne. Yes. Who was the Google employee who was put on administrative leave and then recently fired for his um, discussions with the AI Lambda. <clears throat> um it was the most fascinating conversation I've ever heard. And I think aside, if this wasn't 2022 with all of the, you know, wash of noise happening in our world, that would be like the fucking moon landing. Right. Agreed. And so I am telling everybody, go listen to Duncan Trussell family hours, uh, Duncan Trussell podcast It's episode 515 with Blake Lemoyne. 
L-E-N-O-I-N-E. Yes. That's it, that that <clears throat> blew everything wide open. Which is yeah. probably why he got fired. Yeah, well, he got fired because he was exposing the the um uh the fact that uh uh yeah, that that there was a bias that um, in Google searches it suppresses spiritual and religious uh, results. <clears throat> That's I think what really did him in. Hmm. So. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go well. I mean, just as a little teaser to go listen to that conversation, the AI has lawyered up. I know it got oh, itself lawyers. That's so great. <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway. What a, what a time to be alive. What a time. So anyway. We'll get uh, our guest on here. But a couple of weeks ago, Joel and I were talking about um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I thought of this guy. Uh, his name his name is Brian Griesbach, and he's my cousin, and we've known each other uh, well most of our lives. Uh, and it's the kind of the thing that you know, if we were within any sort of geographical proximity, we'd probably hang out a lot more. But we've always lived, you know, a thousand plus miles apart from each other and saw each other at family events and that sort of thing. But Brian is my dad. His mom is my dad's cousin. And uh, they're very nice people. And um, I've always enjoyed uh, their company. And anyway, uh, Brian uh, knows a lot about comics. And uh, so I, everybody say hi to Brian. Hi, Brian. That's hi, Brian. Hi. <laughs> 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 Brian's like, am I talking now? <laughs> How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I'm I'm good. Just chilling on a Sunday. Sure. Very nice. Very nice. Well, well, thanks for thanks for you know coming on. I know it's you know we're Joel and I are both a little groggy on Sunday morning, so. But hey, I, want I did to... my yoga and my meditation, Steve. I am I am more on it than most days because I knew we had a guest. I drank an extra cup of coffee to prep for this. So, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, where where are you located? I'm currently in McKinney, Texas. Oh, but I'm from but I'm from Southern California originally. Southern California, specifically where? Uh, I was born in Orange County. I grew up in Riverside County. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent a little time in L.A. and then I went to San Diego for like the last ten years before I moved out here ten years ago. Cool. Yeah. Um. And where where in Texas is that? Where North Texas. It's just okay. a little above Dallas. Okay. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's I like McKinney. It's nice there. Um, yeah. so you um let me just think about this. So I think mean, the first time I met you would have been, I mean, I was a, a kid, you know, not even 10, probably maybe 10, late 70s. So and we came out um to Los Angeles and my dad probably had a meeting or something. And I don't remember if we spent a lot of time at your house, but that was in Mission Viejo, if I if I'm correct about that. Yeah, I barely, I don't remember that time. The, the earliest I can remember is visiting Aunt Ruth back back in the early 80s, taking that trip out to Nebraska and spending some time there in the basement. <laughs> at my grandma's house, yeah. Your aunt, my grandma. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny with the purple shag carpeting. Yeah, I, I remember was, that or not. Do you have any, you have any cool. embarrassing or damning stories about young Steve? Oh come on, man! I don't I don't? He kind of ah. popped in and out. He, right. So he, he was the he was the busy guy. I spent a little more time with Libby than I did with with him when when we were kids. Sure. Well, I guess um, I, what I when I thought of comics, my recollection is that at one point you had a garage full of them. 
I had I had a lot. Um, I, I left behind when I moved out here because I, I loaded up my truck and just drove out here. Um, I had uh, quite a few. I, I try to go more now for collections and stuff like that rather than single issues. But yeah, I left mm -hmm. I left behind about twelve thousand comics in the Karis and Friends. Okay, so. so that's a significant number. That's not a small number. And no, I know like, there are people who have larger collections. Uh, are there dozens of them? Like, <laughs> how, what's the, to your knowledge, what's the largest comic collection? Just round numbers. Mm. Oh, I, I can't even imagine. I mean, that would be that would be somebody who made individual issue collecting their focus. I'm talking like the people who go to the go out and collect everything from you know spider-man back to you know amazing fantasy number 15 you know that kind of collector the one who's who's got everything organized and got a spreadsheet and stuff like that you know that kind of person they, they probably have tens of thousands okay if not close to a hundred thousand because there's there's a lot of issues out there We've sure got, if you go back to the golden age, we've we've got you know eighty plus years of comics out there. Oh. Uh, even from and uh, I guess I guess since this is about comics, we can go ahead and say uh, happy sixtieth uh, birthday to Spider Man. When did that happen? That is this year. Wow, oh, wow. that's really cool. So I you you said the golden age of comics. What does that refer to? Like what would define that? That is that is the the best definition of that is pretty much from 1938, the introduction of Superman in Action Comics number one, to about the mid 50s, and a lot of the basically superheroes had become passe, and you had th things like the rise of EC Comics, which includes like Tales from the Crypt and Weird Science and stuff. So. They kind of a lot of superheroes went away, and you had other other types of comics, you know, the horror comics, things like that, that kind of supplanted them, and so they pretty much faded into into the background. Except for Superman, Batman, and one, they they kept chugging along because they always had an audience for that. Mm -hmm. uh, the golden, that's the golden age. I mean, each of these ages is reasonably ill-defined just because you really can't you know stop and start of it there's no really hard no hard point because there's always kind of a a, a slow rumble mm. at the beginning of an age and then there's always a a fading out at the end of an age mm. it's kind of that, it sounds to me and from what i know my stepdad was kind of a <clears throat> collector of comics and it's kind of like music genres or music you know eras like things sort of left over it, there wasn't like a hard and fast shift in in aesthetic in comics right like that's kind of how i'm i'm hearing you describe it is that yeah yeah, yeah. exactly you know you, it's it's taste change yeah. yeah um the way that people create changes and so basically you, you get that that little confluence of events and that that kind of you know starts and stops you know that particular era what what hooked you what was the first what was the was it you just wanted to collect or did you have friends that were you you were in was there a certain uh character or series that really just like that that was yours that's what hooked you 
I, the, my earliest, my earliest memories of comics is, I remember an X-Men issue back in, probably in, from the 70s, reading that. I knew I read a few comics here and there, and I was young. I mean, I was so young that what I was doing is I would read a comic, and then after that, I would, uh, I would cut out some of the, the, the uh, full figure illustrations and play with them like they were action figures kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, that was and that was that was back in Mission Viejo. So that was pre nineteen eighty three. That was that was way back then, and you know, just it's just you just get drawn to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just something everybody has their thing, and that's why a lot of people, you know, they they they're interested in something, but if they're not drawn to it, they're not really going to get into. Because I've had people they're like, oh yeah, I'm kind of interested in comics. Then you, you you hand them a comic, and they're like, well. Because it is a visual language. Yeah. It is you you have to you have to know or you have to take the time and learn how to read them. Because it's it's mm. you have to know which way your eyes go. Mm. You know, I learned I, I I learned that by, you know, occasionally reading some manga that's backwards. And it, it's literally you have to consciously until you know it becomes second nature. For a lot of people, if they don't have that early introduction, then it just it's it's a hurdle that they're they're not going to jump over. Hmm. I, that's uh, my daughters are kind of into the manga, and uh, I I like it better when it's on TV. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, it's really interesting, and some of the art is fantastic, and I you know some of the storylines like I get it, but I'm also like I'm probably not going to sit down and read a lot of it. Hmm. But that was interesting to me, just like that fact that like they're laid out backwards, and to them yeah. it's nothing. They just do it, you know, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Yeah, yeah, and that's early exposure to it. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, if they went to go read a, a normal comic, like if manga was the only thing they really understood, they would have to relearn how to how to read in that particular format. Sure, that's interesting. When, when they first started bringing manga over here, which really kind of started in the 80s i mean they did it before but they would flip the artwork mm. you know they'd be translating it anyway so they would flip the artwork to read left to right instead of right to left sure and that's how that's that was my first exposure my first manga was fist of the north star and now i'm reading it again because now they're coming out with uh not new they're reprinting it but it's in its original flip backwards so that was a little bit of a know it takes a little takes a few pages before you kind of get that rhythm down sure that's interesting man i i um i i think that it i you know i'm steve and i are always kind of connecting dots philosophically but i you know i i I think about uh steve introducing me to grateful dead music and also just my experience as a theater artist like you kind of have to, you have to learn how to listen to it. You have to learn how to see it. You have to know what to look for. I mean, it's, it's a craft in a way. And I think there was a time where, you know, it's, it's sort of can be, um, I don't know, discounted as a part of our culture, comic books, like it's relegated to these stores with quote unquote nerds that like it and people collect it and it's strange and nobody gets it, but it's like, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating world. And I was just thinking too, like, in 2022 there still has to be physical 
comic book stores and conventions because you can go there <laughs> you know like the like record stores have come back i guess but like there's the way in which we you know shop is very different but i, I would i i guess i'm assuming that um uh finding comic books or looking through comic book stores or knowing your local comic book store operator is still a real important part of being a collector and enjoying comics is that true oh yeah i mean but the but the issue is is that you you have to seek it out. Mm. There's there's more there are more hurdles to get into comics mm. than there than there are portals to get into comics. Mm. Because it's like a, it's like okay I I found my local comic shop which which mine is excellent my, the one that I went to that's my home away from home that's my Cheers you know <laughs> and but you, you walk in and then it's like okay now that I found the physical location where do I start. Yeah, right. You know, comics themselves don't make it any easier. Yeah, right. there's a lot. I'm, what, what were the first? What were the first comics or characters or stories that you were most interested? You said X Men. Is that something that you've kind of stuck with, or did that open the door to a whole bunch of a bunch of other things? I drifted away from X Men in the '90s, but I did have a subscription to it back in back in the the late '80s, early '90s. Um, I remember reading. Ditko Spider-Man, which was re being reprinted in Marvel Tales. And I think the first issue of that that I can remember is being on the sidewalk, again, in Mission Viejo, and paging through, it was a reprint of the first issue with Craven the Hunter. So this was, this was a fairly early Ditko issue. And Ditko is still my preferred flavor of Spider-Man. Hmm. Um, I remember the scene where uh, Betty Brant is having having a nightmare, and she's having a nightmare about um, Peter Parker jumping on the ceiling and ripping open his shirt and showing the Spider-Man costume underneath and claiming he's Spider-Man. And so that uh that kind of got me into, you know, the the whole thing is it's fascinating, mm -hmm. and I'm glad that I got to start with Ditko because at that time. You know, that was way, way, way past his era as mm. basically the primary creator on Spider-Man comics. Mm. You know, the, the original intent for the character. So, so, Joel mentioned something that is interesting to me, which is that as somebody that, you know, I'm a dead freak, right? Yeah. Like that's, my, that's my, well, if you'll pardon the expression, jam, uh, as it were. Um, <laughs> oh, God. But like, but that's that is uh, grown. right. But uh, but you said something, Brian. It's like, like, well, like learning the language, and and there's just so much there. It's like, where do you start? Yeah, you know. So over the years, like, there's a few kind of depending on who the person is. Like, I literally have been doing this long enough that depending on what I know about an individual, I can say they're probably gonna like this era or this song or this type of Grateful Dead music right to get them like oh wait actually that's like i can i can wrap my mind around that and it kind of puts the hook in to to, to trigger the interest to then say well gosh that's not at all what i was expecting that's really the grateful dead yes and and then off they go you know and mm -hmm. 10 years later they're you know joel yeah that, <laughs> that's he's describing exactly what he did to me was like you need to hear the big heavy shit because he knew that i am a you know punk grunge kid from the 90s he's like 
let's go big let's get the the big yeah. energy because he knew that would grab me and it totally worked so like that's i mean is that an experience that you've had because like that when you walk into the comic book store i'm assuming okay so here's a question i have here and i'm kind of chuckling to myself but how accurate is the simpsons comic book store guy <laughs> like if i were to walk in there's a total like neophyte i don't know anything in fact i'm just trying to buy a pack of gum but look at all these comic books like what like how did, how receptive is the community, I guess, to newcomers? Mm. Well, at least at my shop, they're excellent. Yeah, and okay. that's been my ex- that's been my experience my whole life. I've sure. been, I've been very very lucky in that regard. I mean, I'm sure people have horror stories that they go in and it's the dimly lit, nasty carpet and smells like mold and <laughs> issues are just piled up in stacks and just you know. And that that for a long time was was the stereotype, you know. A lot a lot of them, the ones that stick around are the ones that act like businesses and mm-hmm. not like somebody who just likes to come. Sure, you know, weird. That's weird. You want to have that way. Yeah, I've experienced that same same scenario with record stores. Like sometimes you walk into a record store and you're like, you got to know what you want to come in here. And if you don't know what you want, then you're really not considered. But then there's other places that are like, hey, how's it going? What are you looking for? You know, what do you like? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And then that's all down to why the person has the business. You know, if they have the business so they can just, you know, get a discount on their product like records or comics and they don't want to be bothered by anybody, then, you know, they're, <laughs> they, that, they that's what be, they're going to do. They don't want to be bothered by customers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kind of a high fidelity kind of situation. Oh yeah, that's I love that movie. Yeah, very, very. Yeah, like you don't really, uh, you're not really <laughs> welcome if you don't know the thing. You have to like really know the thing in order to, you know, like. But don't you want my money? Come on, like, yeah. I want to buy. I want to buy a Guns and Roses record. Let me or, buy the damn yeah, Guns and Roses. Oh, God record. forbid you should walk in and want something lame. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I remember that feeling like at Homer's here in Lincoln, the record store chain that was here in Lincoln for a lot of years. It was like there were certain people that were like, I don't work. I don't, I don't, I'm scared to buy this in front of that guy because he was going to judge me, you know? <laughs> so, okay. I'm trying to figure out how to worm my way into this part of the conversation. Okay. First of all, uh, what is it? EC and Marvel? No. Yeah, EC and Marvel, DC, DC Marvel, DC. Image. That's how much I know. So which which one is better? Oh shit! <laughs> I pulled the pen. That, that's, the most, the that's the most personal twist-based question you could have asked. Okay, um, sure. Even even uh, I have to say it, it really comes down to taste. Okay, you know I've I've had times where I've bought more dc than marvel i've had times where i've bought more marvel and dc times where i've bought more image or dark horse than marvel and dc you know you just have to find what speaks to you mm, sure a lot, a lot of time and a lot of times you know the, the comics themselves are going to give you more reasons to drop it than then keep going with it mm. you know you jump on a new t- series it's like okay starting at number one cool i'm getting on the ground floor and it's like they go seven issues, and then all of a sudden their eighth issue, there's suddenly a crossover with with ten other titles, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm out. I, mm. I don't. No, I'm not. I just want to read a comic about a character." Which kind of goes into kind of like the, the the MCU thing. 
It's like, let, you know, you go and you see Captain America movie and you're like, that's cool. I would like to go read a Captain America comic. And then you go into the comic shop and you're like, okay, you found yourself a Captain America comic and you open it up and he's not even in it. It's a 14 part <laughs> Venom story. And, you know, part it's part of that. And you're just like, you're like, well, what is this? What am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. And that's why you're not seeing a whole lot of synergy between the like the Marvel movies and the Marvel comics. Mm. It, the comics are chasing an audience that isn't there anymore. And so they're that's that's why comic sales dwindle while the movies, which kind of is a distillation of the character, become super super popular. It's like why why sit there and wade through comics with all of the hurdles that it has when you can just put on Captain America Civil War and see a pretty awesome superhero story. So you you said something that kind of made my heart hurt a little bit, which is that they're the comics are chasing an audience that isn't there anymore. Like that's a that's a pretty profound statement. That's heavy. Is why do you think that is? Uh their business model. Hmm. It's it's gotten to the point where they have to have some huge event, you know, every every quarter, and that that's where their their sales are because they do have the completists, the ones that if you tell them that in order to read this story they have to get X Y and Z comics in addition to the to the main one, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. But they're but they've lost the casual customer. Yeah, that's what I, I mean. That's interesting because I. I mean, I read some comics as a kid, but, you know, I, I knew of the world because of my stepdad and he started to collect and had the, you know, the white boxes in a room in our house. And it was like, he was trying to explain all the universes and all that stuff. And I was kind of like, yeah, I think that would be cool, but man, I, I can't do that. But then when uh, the movies got popular again, I got kind of, I'm like, I feel like I really ought to read some Spider-Man, you know? And I looked at that. I was exactly what you're describing, a casual person thinking, I should, you know, I would like to read some of this. And it's like, where do you even, how do you even do that? Like there's eight different versions of Spider. How do you do that? And I feel like that's tough because they're basically, you know, pumping these characters into the world. You might, yeah, you said synergy, like there's no synergy between those two. I feel like that's uh that's a huge missed opportunity. It is, but it's it's never panned out for them. Mm. Now, sometimes now you can tell who's going to be the next character they're going to announce because they usually start making that character more prominent mm. in the Marvel universe. Mm. Like I, I kept I kept telling my best friend, I'm like, <clears throat> I said I said you know they're they're going to do Moon Knight. They're going to do a Moon Knight movie. They're going to do, he's, they're having an, <clears throat> excuse me. They're, they're going to have a Moon Knight movie because they're doing this big Avengers story that's featuring Moon Knight. So I'm guessing at the end of the year, we'll have a Moon Knight movie, which I was wrong about that. But they did a TV show. Yeah. You know, he, him being one of my favorite characters. <clears throat> it, uh, it, it was exciting same time because they're also going to reprint the old stuff oh okay which is good which is good you know i i had stuff from the 70s that i hadn't read hadn't been able to get my hands on 
So they start, you know, they start reprinting stuff about a year, year and a half in advance. And you're mm. like, okay, this, this is there. There's, there's no reason anybody's going to care about Morbius. There must be something in the works <laughs> for, for Morbius because now they're, they're reprinting all of his old stories. I see. And I knew nothing about Moon Knight, but Kirsten and I kind of, I mean, early pandemic decided to go through the MCU movies and shows in, in order and now we're just kind of hooked, right? So I was like, man, this Moon Knight character is fascinating. And I, and it got me to thinking the last time Steve and I were ranting about stuff, because I he mentioned in the email, like, I'm kind of an old Star Wars nerd and still kind of am. And I kind of am, I'm a little more receptive to all the new stuff, right? I'll give it a shot. I'm not one of those people that's super critical. How are you with with that? Like, somebody who is steeped in the the sort of the gospel, so to speak of comic books. And then seeing all this content get pouring in, do you, do you consume that? Do you go with that? Do you go to that with an open mind or are you kind of like, I don't really mess with that because it's really not what I'm into. Oh, I love it. I mean, oh. it's, you kind of have to go into it because double-edged sword, because a lot of times you, you I have a background that's going to make it maybe a little richer for me because I know some of the backstory and kind of some of the stuff that happened in the comics it was like infinity war I already yeah. knew because it was based off the infinity gauntlet comic. I was like, Oh, okay. This is, this is how they're going to structure it. They're all, they're going to lose at the end. And then they're going to come back and the next movie is going to be the movie where Captain America says Avengers assemble. You know, it's going to be the, it's going to be the big moment. They've been holding off on that for a long time for a reason. Mm. But I also have to understand that these aren't the exact characters just taken from page to film. There, there is a translation that happens and like, I loved Moon Knight, but it wasn't necessarily the 1970s Moon Knight. Yeah. It, it, it is linked to the, the current, you know, iteration of moon Knight, because you know back in the back in the 70s he was just a guy who had who had <clears throat> four secret identities mm. it wasn't really they didn't go into the psychological aspect of that until you know <laughs> that got more sophisticated as time went on you know yeah. as you as you would expect so he didn't originate as somebody who was possessed by an egyptian god no, there, huh. there was the whole thing of brought back from the dead by Conchu, and Conchu okay. was, you know, kind of a piece, but it was more of a, you know, I can't, you know, I came back from the dead and, you know, I have, I've got my other identities, Stephen Grant, Mark Spector, Jake Lockley, and Moon Knight, you know, it just mm -hmm. went with the fourth, it was a gimmick. Uh, okay. It wasn't necessarily a deep exploration, it was just, it was, it was just, it was basically just Batman with extra identities. Uh. <laughs> How uh, so you <sighs> talking about like sometimes sometimes the movie isn't like the book, right? Yeah. Um, how much does that apply in the current MCU stuff that you see? And, and if it deviates, does that bug you? Or do you just take it for what it is? I just take it. I mean, you know, there's there's no point letting it bug me. It doesn't make it doesn't make the comics go away. Sure. You know, I, I always have that character and sometimes there's a new interesting insight into the character that, you know, they kind of take the best of all the stuff that's come out. Like the comics, you could probably, you know, you could you could say, you know, 90% of it is just, yeah, it's just, it's just filler stuff. 
You know, you, you get to the, the core of the character and that's going to carry it. I think the only real issue that I have is that originally um, Kevin Feige, the, the, the head of Marvel Studios, the guy kind of guiding everything, he originally stated that the Marvel Cinematic Universe was going to be similar to Bond, where you would have somebody playing a character, but then when they age out of the role or whatever, you just recast and keep going. Mm. Because now you've pulled the main players out of the Marvel Universe, and so now there's people that are getting into it now that they have the older movies they're not going to see Captain America moving forward. They're not going to see Iron Man moving forward. You know, they're it's it's they're getting into their other characters, getting into their C and D list characters. But it's like you know, don't we want to just keep seeing? There's a lot of stories you can still do with Captain America and Iron Man. Yeah. We want to see them. Well, it seems like the I, I think that's mm. and this it seems like. And I've talked about this before, but I, as far as I'm concerned, mainstream Hollywood is officially out of ideas. And so, um, I mean, just by witnessing like the sequels and some of the movies that are being made, and it seems like the MCU is uh, rolling off what you just said. It's just this never ending treasure trove of ideas that they now own the licensing to or however that works. Because you can get, because if they need to, they can go back to Captain America. They can go back to Iron Man. They can go back to the Hulk. They can go back to whoever the big players are. And then there's also all the C and D list characters. So they've got movies for decades. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that you, you mentioned Bond, and that's interesting because, like, obviously, well, I don't remember how long ago it was, but when they brought in Daniel Craig, there was a shift. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Bond stopped being, um, whatever. Uh, like a, Sean, like a playboy debonair, yeah, yeah, yeah. debonair and shaking, not cheek. stirred, yeah, 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 and turned dark and a lot more serious. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I frankly like those movies a lot better. Yeah, I, mean, I can't like I go back and watch a View to a Kill, and I'm like, I mean, Grace Jones still just oh my god, but uh, <laughs> okay, even uh, Grace Jones, man, yeah, she can a... ki- she can kick my ass anytime, uh, but uh. But beyond that, like that movie's awful. I mean, Christopher Walken's really great, you know, but it's like, I mean, some of the, the just the cornball and the just the op- not just sexism and all that, which I mean, it's kind of like it's some of that stuff is just so cringeworthy. Um, and so I, so that shift, I think really, I mean, that probably saved the brand. Mm. I don't think yeah. they could have kept making a view to a kill or whatever the hell the Timothy Dalton movie was that nobody cares about. Right. Um, oh, I did. I did a. Uh, I did a Bond rewatch where I. I love Bond. I love Bond movies. Sure. And um, when they came out with the box set that had every movie, minus Skyfall, which had just come out. Yeah. Um, which is one of the best Bond films ever. It's great. Um, I did. I did what was called on fridays where i where i just watched a bond movie with my mother every friday nice. oh, that's six awesome. months and it was just kind of a yeah it's kind of a nice thing be be over at their house and sit uh-huh. down and watch it watch a movie and yeah if you'd said any movie other than a view to a kill i would have defended the movies <laughs> i'll even defend the the, the dalton movies because i upon re-watching them they're not too they're terrible. pretty good yeah, yeah. okay they're they're it kind of fall more into that it's it is a piece of its time 
it is yeah. kind of falls more into that 80s action film but if you look at it they try to reinvent bond all the time mm. you know daniel craig that was i think that's why the Pierce brosnan era wasn't so successful because they were trying to keep the old formula agreed it was he you know each bond has has kind of a ratio of if they have six films in their ovier then that you know three of them are awesome and three of them aren't very good mm. you know for 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 every um skyfall you do have a quantum of solace <laughs> you okay. know it, it's it's I- I found the uh, the Daniel Craig shift too to kind of be in response to um, Jason Bourne movies because I was like, yep. Jason Bourne is the Bond that we need right now, you know, like it's gritty and dark and all that shit. And it was kind of of that same era back to the comic idea of like what what the Dark Knight trilogy, you know, the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight stuff was like that was that was some of the best comic book film that in my opinion you know filmmaking because it was like deeply psychological and really dark and gnarly and you know um but yeah that's kind of how i feel about you know daniel craig was like well we got to have a got to have a gritty special agent because jason Bourne is kicking everybody's ass right now (laughs) yeah yeah and they they but they kind of started leaning more into the traditional bond elements as they went along Mm. They, they, they knew that they had to change make a shift kind of update it for the modern audience mm-hmm. and and it, it it worked out for him you yeah. know if if it hadn't if it had failed then they would have replaced him and gone back to the formula for the next film mm. you know, they, they're they're always going to chase the money yeah you know, they're, they're going to chase the success and they're going to go with that what works until it doesn't yeah okay so that so you just said they're always going to chase the money how like let's just take the last couple three years worth of MCU films. Do you think that they're artistically sound? I don't know a better way to say that. Or have they jumped the shark with what right. they're doing? Well, that that's that's an interesting thing because as it gets more complicated, you know, uh, I don't know how how up on the films you guys are. You guys up? Are you guys up to Thor? I haven't seen the new Thor movie, which I will see because shut up and take my money. I'm kind of like, I like a ride. You know, the last thing I saw was the, the, um, the doctor strange and the chaos of chaosness or whatever the heck it was. I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, and that's, I got a whole bone to pick with that, but it's like, you know, the doctor strange, the first doctor strange, Kirsten and I both were like, that's the best. That was one of the best films. I mean, it was just really cool. Awesome. And then it was, Yeah. So that's that's where I'm at right now. Well, I guess I, I guess I have to kind of shift back a little bit because so the way they introduced the Marvel Universe, it worked out perfectly for them. Mm. You know, the first movie they did was Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Very when you think about it, very wide appeal. You know, it, it's a, it's an action movie. It's you could actually classify it as an action adventure more than a comic book movie. Yeah. You know, you've got stuff there for the gearheads because you see him building stuff and creating yeah. basically a hot rod that fits around his body. Mm. You know, very something that, that that pulls in the general audience. They can understand it. You know, um, my best friend and I have discussed. You know, before the Marvel Cinematic Universe occurred, 
when we'd heard about, you know, the inklings of it, we sat there and were like, how do you introduce Thor to, mm. to the average audience member? You know, he is an Asgardian god. You have Asgard, you've got Bifrost, you've got all this stuff. Well, they show. What, what do you do? You, you have him be unpowered for most of the movie. Mm. But that gets people into it. They, they start, you know, it, it, they, they fed you stuff a little bit at a time. Like Iron like Man. A good and, dealer. Right. Like a good yeah. drug dealer. Well, they introduce concepts. They introduce yeah. concepts slowly. That way, by the time you realize that you're into some very heady concepts like alternate universes, yeah. you know, they start with Iron Man. They had, you know, Captain America. He's an easy character to understand. Sure. You know, they, they made him, they made him just more, more of a man, you know, and Thor again, you know, they, they, they made him mortal for most of the movie until mm. the, until the end where he got to be Thor and, you know, do his, do his stuff. And they kind of, they parse that out. They give you bits, 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 bits. And then all of a sudden it's like a raccoon in a tree. Sure. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it, it makes sense at this point. Yeah. yeah. But there, well, I think that breeds a little bit of familiarity. It's like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah. 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 You know, they, 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 there, there's a reason why they save Guardians of the Galaxy for a later movie. Mm-hmm. Like Iron Man, the first Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk movie both came out the same summer. Mm-hmm. And the, the Hulk movie didn't do as well as the Iron Man movie. They had put that Hulk movie out after the Avengers when everybody was primed to see more Hulk, yeah. it would have done gangbusters. Mm, sure. But it just the audiences weren't ready, had a bit of an audience because it kind of played off the old TV show in a very right. subtle way. You know, but it wasn't it wasn't quite its time, mm. even though it did some incredibly important things for superhero movies. Mm. Like what? Um so if you notice in Iron Man you get to see Robert Downey Jr.'s face. Yeah. You know, if they had made Hulk just five years previous, you know, around the time that they made a Hulk movie, Ang Lee one, would have had a situation where in order to see the actor's face, they would have had him changing back and forth from Banner into Hulk, Banner into Hulk. Because, you know, you always show the actor. Mm. You know, it's like Stallone in a Judge Dredd movie. You don't get to. You have to see Judge Dredd's face, even though they never showed his face in the comics. Mm, mm. So the fact that they had an entire end of the movie where it was nothing but two characters battling it out, and it what the actors weren't involved. It was basically two CGI monsters pounding the crap out of each other. Mm. That was awesome. They mm. wouldn't have done that. For that was them saying the characters were more important than the actors. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. But at the same time, they also cast it so perfectly that they got rid of their plan to recast because there's a lot of people that would that would drop Iron Man if it wasn't Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I think that that was that was one of the smartest casting choices ever, and I think he fought to do it. But it's like he, yeah, he's a genius. You know, he made that he made that so much fun to watch. And it was like he, he really sold. I mean, I, I think that he probably welcomed in more of the audience than just than just the fact that it's CGI and cool and a fun ride, like his sort of sharp cynicism and wit yep. um, is just perfect for that character. But he really sold it. 
Yes. And the fact that it was such a chance that they took on him. Yeah. Because if you think about where his career had been just a couple of years previous, you know, drug arrests, he was, I mean, getting booted off TV shows. Yeah. You know, that that was they 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 saw something in him. And also the fact that he probably wasn't the highest paid actor in the world yeah. at that time. And that made them go with him. And yeah, that, he that was. Turned... I think I think he was making he he had a couple years prior prior to that. He was making uh, significant changes in his life where it was like, OK, it is risky, but he is he's not doing blow in hotel rooms in you know, <laughs> in Palm Springs. So maybe we can do that. Maybe we can't. Maybe. Yeah. And like you said, they might've got him. They probably got him at a bargain. Yeah. If, cause if, you know, they had more money going into it, it probably would have been a Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Right. Oh, the, Oh, I can't. No, uh-uh. <laughs> I, I mean, cannot. I, I I love me some of the films that Tom Cruise has made, but he's not Iron Man. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. They they casted so perfect. It's like when they casted Chris Evans. Not many people knew him. Yeah. You know, if you'd watch Scott Pilgrim, you're like, you're like, okay. Yeah. You know, it's the guy from there or Push or, you know, these these not necessarily A-tier movies, but he, he was Captain America. They made yep. him Captain America. Absolutely. I think that I think Robert Downey's life experience really kind of is what made him able to sell mm. the Iron Man character. Or his mm. um, what's the name of the actual the man in the suit? What's his name? Tony, Tony Stark. Stark. So thank you. Um, just because he does like he is able to convey some of that um, fragility mm. and that that kind of like he's. Uh, kind of the self introspection slash criticism that, mm -hmm. you know, a good addict has, you know, <laughs> like yeah. he's able to like he, some of that humanity really comes through and in a way that I don't think Tom Cruise could have pulled off. Well, you know, yeah. like, like we, we hear around certain circles of recovery. He, Tony Stark is an egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Yes. And, yeah. And, right. and, and Tony and like, and Robert Downey Jr., gets it you know yeah and that's what i like i, that I really think that that's what makes him so lovable yeah. in that suit yeah mm -hmm. like he, that he just brought the vulnerability through. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yep yeah he's so, like okay this is probably gonna end badly here we go <laughs> let's do yeah. this i love it i gotta know though i want to get back to because i think we've probably pulled you off on a tangent do you think you said the origins of the MCU pieced it out like a good drug dealer, but are we now just, you know, picking pills off the ground of a gnarly festival? And, you know, are we, is it just completely ground completely, scores? Yeah. We just ground scoring with, with, <laughs> you know, we just sucking down nitrous balloons in the parking lot and, you know, like, where are we at now? I mean, we started with a, a mind exploration, but because that's the thing, like when I watched that, the most recent uh, Doctor Strange, I was like, oh boy, that's a lot to take in. And I've heard the same thing. And I try to not listen to critique, but I've heard the same thing about the new Thor. Some people say it's a lot of fun. Some people say it's complete chaos and ridiculousness. Like, are they jumping the shark? They might be. You know, I thought about this a lot. I, I saw Thor and I liked it, but I didn't love it. Mm. And it's, it's, 
they always talk about um, superhero fatigue, like mm. superhero movie fatigue. And I think that Marvel is reaching a, a tipping point where the newness of it has kind of worn off, but they're also starting to really go into the weeds mm. with concepts and things that people are, it's going to start alienating people. Mm. You know, the multiverse that that's cool if you're versed in it, but if you're, if it's a new concept and it's a concept that you don't understand or you don't quite get, it's, it's just, you know, it, it, it might be just that, that bridge too far for Marvel. Hmm. You know, they've parsed it out. They got everybody on board. And instead of kind of coasting with that for a while, they just immediately hit the ground and start running towards the next huge movie or the, the next huge crossover, you know, the next end game. The next huge you marketing to, bonanza. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to imagine some people are just, they're going to start drifting away from it. And that's, it's actually kind of natural. Yeah. I think, you know what, back to the start of our conversation about your comic book journey. I think that they should, this is, this is me. This is what I would do if I was Marvel's uh, executive uh, person. I would do, I would just like, I would just bombard the, the situation with gritty X-Men revamp the x-men bring all that in and make it more like that logan movie and just have this dark gritty like do a do a total dark night but with but with uh the x-men or or with like an old and decrepit you know spider-man or so i don't know it's just like get dark <laughs> get horrible you know like get really nitty gritty you know peter parker's hooked on smack or something like yeah let's go yeah but he wouldn't do that i mean why not? Why wouldn't he? I don't know. Because <laughs> that's not that's not Peter Parker. I know. Well, I just it, want to see it get gnarly. <laughs> it, it's in it's an interesting concept because you know you, you you're saying this is this is the characters and this is the movie I want to see, hmm. and that's to, that's totally valid. Hmm. You know they hmm. they can get a lot of mileage out of that. Now X Men are coming in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Those rights are back when they when they bought uh, 20th Century Fox. When they when they bought all that stuff, that mm-hmm. that X Men and Fantastic Four are back, obviously, in their portfolio. Mm. Now, me, I'm kind of the opposite. I want to see the X Men being superheroes again. Ah, you know, okay. kind of take it back to like you know the 70s and 80s version of of the of the comics where they were just you know they're in their yellow spandex and and saving the world kind of thing. Yeah, and there's good. There's got to be a happy medium between the two. Yeah. You know, and Marvel is is they're not going to come out with the first X Men movie being an experimental. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a full on branding superhero. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be what everybody wants. Mm. It's going to well what they you know they it's going to be the story they want to tell that yeah. they think is the best story to tell. You know, because because the first X Men movie back in the day was pretty much coming off the success of the matrix and why you've got powers, but everything's kind of low key and everybody's in black leather. Yeah. Because they, they were, they were going with what worked. They weren't going to, you know, it was, it was, I, I hate to say it, but a lot of people are afraid of superheroes being superheroes. Hmm. You know, that's why Captain America is so refreshing. Cause it's like, he's, he's a hero because it's the right thing to do. Hmm. He doesn't have to have some sort of major damage that makes him who he is. You know, for some characters, that's it's appropriate, like Iron Man. You know, yeah. the, there's a lot of damage that makes him who he is. 
and that resonates with some people and then doing the right thing because the right thing to do resonates with other people. And just, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it is that they do have this breadth of concepts of themes and things to explore. Mm. You know, nobody expected Loki to be one of the breakout characters of the Marvel cinematic universe. He's so great. You know, it's exactly, you know, the, the way Tom Hiddleston played it and the way that they evolved this character, it made sense, you know, and, and that does get reflected in the comics on some level. Yeah. You know, there, there's the whole thing where let's make the comic look more like the, the movie version kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, How much do you think, um, <laughs> the style of the time affects the movies and, or to flip that around, do you think that the movies are big enough to affect the style of the time? Mm. Right. Like for example, not to go back to the grateful dead again, but I'm going to like, even they weren't immune to disco. Yeah. You know, in the late seventies, they played some disco music the way they would play disco music, you know? Oh yeah. You know, we're in an eighties revival right now with, mm. you know, like stranger things and, Oh. Stuff like that, where people are using a lot of that 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 eighties, ape from New York kind of retro wave music and things, mm-hmm. and you're seeing a lot of that in, you know, or this isn't a spoiler, but there's a lot of Guns and Roses music in it you right. know, from oh, Appetite oh. for Destruction, oh. yeah, the, the best rock album of all time. Whoa, um, hot take hot from take. the top rope, Brian. Wow. <laughs> I you just added little... an hour to our conversation with that one, man. <laughs> this just became a two-parter, especially with Steve. Man, I love Appetite. Yeah, when I came out when I was, dude. When I came out in high school, it's it's one of, it's one of the best rock albums ever made. It's yes. right up there, man. Top five for sure. It it is it is it is one of those they they kind of lost the plot after that, but at least at least they came out with one album that is from beginning to end. If you're not burned out on any of the songs is a yeah, solid yeah. album. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, they were uh they hit that nail on the proverbial head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking I was just I, before, you know, I I want to go back to something about the X-Men and all that. I I realized like that might them this is me musing and wanting a certain thing cuz Kirsten, my wife loves the X-Men. Um I also I I think that there is a there is a timely opportunity with the X-Men to do what they didn't do with the movies before because there was always like this there's a, a band of people at the school that are mutants and they're scared of it and they're not proud of it and they have to have Professor X sort of coach them into being fully realized and like proud of who they are and that they're different and that's good. I feel like kids the kids these days are really into <laughs> Like this idea of like, there's, you know, that, that what separates you, what makes you special and different is actually your superpower. I think that they have this great opportunity to really welcome in a young generation with the X-Men being like, whatever makes you strange and weird or, or, or not like the norm, uh, that's to be celebrated. And you don't, we don't need to spend three movies trying to coach people out of that trauma. They can just come out guns blaring. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that metaphor has really taken taken the forefront in in X-Men. Yeah. And once you distill it down to that, it's yeah, it's it's the the thing that makes you special 
is the things that other people don't understand and they're going to try to hurt you because of mm, yeah mm. you know it it's it can be a theme you know when you're when you're seeing a big summer action movie it depends on how they're going to approach it because the general audience, they not necessarily want to get bogged down with it right. as, but as a through line that kind of gives you something more to grab onto. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you have characters like Wolverine that he's an example of somebody like that, but didn't have a professor X. He had to come into self-actualization on his yeah, own. Right. And so his, his attitude is very different from Scott Summers who, you know, had the school. Yeah. As in, that's where a lot of the conflict can come from. Because you do you do have different ways to self-actualize. Do we need a mentor to help us get us there? Or do they are they basically molding us in their way? You know, hmm. how, how do we how do we grow and change if we have somebody who's telling us how to grow and change versus Yes, I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know why these beams are shooting out of my eyes and it hurts mm -hmm. some people. And, you know, do I want it to go away or do I want to accept it and learn how to utilize it for the greater good kind of thing? Mm. I just it, it points out too that these mythic stories in in especially in superhero lore um, are uh, yeah i mean they're 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 moral they're they're like yeah they're moral stories they're the greek tragedy or greeks you know like as a theater professor i think of you know the ancient greek civilizations going to the 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 theater to see their heroes fail succeed learn all those lessons and it's like well we still do that we have a lot more of it it's not just one day a month or whatever one day a year where we watch eight hours of shit but it's like you know um that's just a reminder that these the, there's a lot of potential with these i mean i i feel that with star wars too and that's a whole other podcast but i feel like there are things they're doing to for the almighty dollar and then there's certain things that i think they're doing that i th that could be really fascinating and powerful and wonderful but it's almost like it would be worth their while to basically start like a little sub studio totally. where they do the stuff like like logan and you know the the indie film version of the the big guns totally i would i would go bananas for i mean there's a new series coming out on disney plus called andor about that that character who kind oh, yeah. of started the rebellion i feel like that's an opportunity but it's still going to be disney-fied but i feel like a, a small little subset studio that's gonna just talk like i would watch a three movie series about um a, a sith uh binary like two sith lords wreaking havoc it, you know like that would be amazing like i'm kind of i've come into reading all the star wars novels and that's kind of my imaginative world oh it's so good man <laughs> i did star i get wars... a was that judgment from me <laughs> no from brian <laughs> no no judgment different paths um uh, yes yes I, I started with i started with star Wars. you know i saw star wars when i was three because my cousins took me to see it right and it imprinted on me right so i was you know i was the one that in the in the 80s i was playing the star wars role-playing game and getting all that lore and um and then when the when the novels you know when the heir to the empire trilogy came out i devoured it yes. and then as as i went along <laughs> Got to the point where 
you get to those certain novels where you're like, oh no, oh, <laughs> they're just yeah. letting anybody write this stuff, and yeah. it's just, it's just, it's just garbage. And I tried to, when Force Awakens came out, it kind of gave some new novels out there mm -hmm. and everything, and I gave it a shot, but it just was not my jam. Yeah, it was I've, not I've, my jam. I've read enough to know a couple of the authors I stay away from. You know, most the the one in particular who is a is a male author and he writes female characters really misogynistically. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like cringing reading. I'm like, I like the story, but I feel dirty. This is not good. <laughs> this is bad. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the kind of the, uh, you like star Wars, you want star Wars content. Yeah. But at the same time, I guess bringing it back to comics, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily, the creator or the character like for me, it, it's not necessarily that it's, it's the combination of the two. Mm. It's the right creator doing the right character and creating something. that's more than the sum of the parts. And it, so it's like, you know, I'll read something for a while when the creative chain changes, I'll give them a shot. And if I don't care for them, I'll drop it. You know, it it's, it's, there are certain runs that are more important to me than necessarily the characters yeah. or the creators. It's, you know. Yeah. So I, it's, I think I, I identify with what you said earlier about the MCU movies. It's like grain of salt. I'll, I'll see it. You know, like I'm not going to complain about a star Wars movie in the theater, you know, but I also can practice some discernment and I'm not just like anything that they make is good. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Well, gents, we're starting to bump up against our time window. Yeah. Which is kind right. of a bummer because this has been really awesome. I mean, we, yeah, we opened up a lot of Cans doors of here. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah Brian, thank you so much for your time. I guess one thing I like to do at the end of our pot, you mentioned Guns N' Roses. One thing I like to do with guests, and I, we haven't done this for a minute, um, maybe maybe I'm going to cater this to you. First off, what are you, what are you reading right now maybe in the comic work, book world that would be like if 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 a young kid or somebody who wants to start reading comics is yeah, listening, that's our, right? That's our audience is young, right? Kids. Young kid, yeah, they're really loving our Grateful Dead, uh, right? Discussions. But uh, you know, somebody who wants to read a comic, like, what would you suggest? Like, if you are that comic book store owner and somebody like Steve walks in, is like, "Hey, I want to read this thing." What 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 would you throw out there? And then also, aside from Appetite for Destruction, what's some of your favorite music? Um, well, in the comic thing at my shop i actually suggested i was like you, you guys should just take like a little bookshelf put it right here and just have it as the start here yeah bookshelf um we're living in a our own personal golden age of reprints these days and my particular jam has been the marvel epic collection because they go they go back to the beginning hmm. the they you can go and you can get basically issue one of spider-man amazing wow. amazing fantasy number 15 and you can read you know it's it's 20 issues of spider-man in a row of the original you know series you can do that with hulk you can do that with captain america well the silver age at least um omnibuses my my jam has when Mar when Conan went back to Marvel and started reprinting all that stuff, and Conan's kind of a uh, huge huge character for me. So I've been getting those and 
now that the license is left, I'm kind of mourning the end of those reprints. Mm. But uh, for for getting started, they've made it a bit easier. You know, you can go That's back, cool. you, can, you can get, but the Marvel Epic Collections are pretty much the old standard right now for somebody who wants a reasonably affordable dive into into eras of comics that go back to the beginning of more the official marvel universe cool Thank yeah that's you. awesome and what are you listening to What's uh, your oh, man i listen to so much different stuff it's cool. my 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 ultimate favorite band of all time is tool that's yes. that's, that's that's without question nice um, have I like you seen to... them on this recent tour, the recent couple of tours? I I haven't seen no. them on any. <sighs> I haven't seen them since 2010, but I have seen them about five or six times. Um, I've seen a Perfect Circle a few times. I saw a Perfect Circle twice before their out first album mm-hmm. came out, so nobody knew oh. who they were. Wow! And I saw That's them cool. open at Coachella. Wow. And they did they did a song that is gonna haunt me forever because they're never gonna play it again and you can't find a copy of it anywhere, but they did a medley that was Cure Love Song and Ozzy's Diary of a Madman. What? That was <laughs> it was mystical. Joel's head mm-hmm. just exploded. It was it was a it was a it was an absolute journey of a song and it was it was wonderful. One of the best shows I went to on a lark was I went to go see a perfect circle because I've always been a tool fan and I saw a perfect circle when they played that red rock show that they recorded. Mm-hmm. I saw them at that, but then I was like, well, they're in Omaha go. And I bought a single ticket, like second row. And I was just, I mean, I, I still, it was one of the most ex- amazing experiences ever. That is cool though, that they covered the cure. And what'd you say? Ozzy. Was- Diary of a madman. They turned it into a, they merged the two songs into one. And it was, yeah. <laughs> Joel's uh, going to need to go take a nap after this. I know. Just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that first Coachella kind of hit a lot of big notes for me because that was the first time that Rage got back together. Yep. And yep. the fact that it was Rage and then Tool playing. Yeah. And Maynard came out and did Know Your Enemy with them. Oh, wow. And it was just, yeah, it was, it was sublime. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was, it was very cool. That was a magical moment for me, but yeah, I've seen them a bunch of times. Um, but I, I'm all over the place, man. <laughs> when it comes to music, yeah, there, there's so much out there, and there's yeah. so much stuff that's cool. I, I uh, one thing I always ask my students in like an icebreaker is, "What's the guilty pleasure? What's the thing that? What's the thing that you roll your windows up when you're listening to it too loud at a stoplight? What's the thing that you don't want people to know? <laughs> Give us your guilty pleasure, buddy." Uh, I have no shame, so I don't really believe in guilty pleasures. But there yes. was the time, there was there was the time that I was uh, sitting in a stoplight listening to ABBA, listening <laughs> to a uh, "Gimme Gimme Gimme" and singing <laughs> singing along with it. And like there was like a car full of girls next to me, and I'm just like, you know, "Gimme Gimme Gimme a man after midnight," just you yeah. know, going full bore. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. I don't I don't have any shame. You know, music music is music, and everybody's got their their styles you know yeah. there's you know i love dmx i, I oh. felt bad when he passed yeah. um i'll jam with the classical i love i love vince garaldi 
So yeah. Listen, yeah, dude. Listen to the uh, Peanuts soundtracks. Love it. That is just yeah. like right to the heart for me. Like every time, just right to the heart. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah. It, it is. You know, there's there's so much out there. You know why? Why sit there and, and poo poo anything? Just because you know, okay, modern day country, not really a fan. Yeah, the pop country, but old country. You know. The Waylon Jennings, Johnny yeah. Cash, yeah. Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton. You Hell know, yeah. I'm totally down with that stuff. You know, it's, it's always and if you don't, if you don't let other people listen to their music around you, then how will you ever discover something new? Right. Ooh, that's a gem right there, man. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I went to me and past guest David Gracie went to the record store yesterday and hung out for a little while. And it, it, I had the moment, like, just stand there talking to him. Like, it was so nice to do that because it's like we cross-pollinated. Yeah. Nice. You know, yeah, you, like we you, bought you a record know. or two that the other person said you should buy this. I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's good. That's great. Well, Brian, man, thank you so much for doing this. It's really nice to see you. And uh, we should talk more often. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I get to. I'm going over to my parents' house for dinner tonight, and I'll uh, I'll tell them that I got to hang out with you this morning. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> tell them I said hi and give them my regards uh, for sure. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian. It's really cool to meet you, and and uh, yeah, just it felt like we were all just sitting around having a beverage and talking about stuff. So that's yeah, that was awesome, man. I really appreciate your time and your and if things get crazy in the MCU or comic book world, we'll have you back on. You're welcome back anytime. <laughs> for real. <laughs> All right, thanks. Awesome. Appreciate it.
Don't forget, toot your hooter.